Well, we're glad you're here this morning, and uh, we're continuing on our series of the Marks of the Healthy Church. It's been a number of months since we've been there, but we're going to launch into that. And I have a question, as I normally do as I start here, but are you the type of person that hates to miss things? You know what I'm talking about? You, you live your life in a way that you're just always looking for the next thing in a good way and you know, enjoyable things, but maybe you take it to a, an extent that you live your life in a way that you want to keep everything wide open so that you can not miss anything. So you can pick and choose as the, as the events and the things come into your life. And sometimes that fear of missing something can be debilitating to you. Um, and in that, you then sometimes choose not to commit to anything, just to keep your options open. Uh, people ask you to come to a birthday party. You're not sure you'll let them know the hour before. Or, hey, can you come help me move? I'm not really sure. There's, you know, that might be something going on. You want to keep your options open. Um, if nothing better comes along, then, then yeah, you'll be there. I have news for you this morning. There's a good chance, if that's you, that you are a commitment phobe. Did you know that? No one did. All right, good. <clears throat> Mark Dever, in his book, Nine Marks of the Healthy Church, in the chapter entitled Church Membership, talks about this. He says, all the statistics seem to point to our age, our culture, being the age of commitment phobia. Commitment phobia is the fear that in promising to do something good, we will miss out on getting something even better. And so although we may see good things we could be doing, we'd rather just keep our options open. Commitment phobia. Is that you? Do you suffer from commitment phobia? Now, I once knew a Christian guy years ago who really desired to be married. I mean, he, he really wanted to be married. We talk about it. He asked us to pray about it and and he would share about his desire to have a wife, his desire to have kids, boys in particular. He just wanted boys. And he would pray to that end. And he had a long list of what he was looking for, and it was all good and godly things. And it would go year after year, and then into a decade, and he still wasn't married. And when the rubber met the road, the man really did want to be married, but he also suffered from a commitment phobia. And we'd see it in their friendship when we say, hey, we're going to go watch the Detroit Tigers down at the, the ballpark, and who wouldn't want to miss that, really? I mean, you guys want to see a good baseball team, right? You don't have one in Seattle, but in Detroit, there's a good one. Don't talk about football. I'm not going to talk about football. Um, and and he, would, he would always be like, well, I'll let you know the day of. And, and it just always this lack of commitment and those little things. Well, how does commitment phobia relate to our time this morning? Well, this morning, I want to talk about a biblical understanding of church membership. So we're talking about church membership this morning. And this is where the commitment phobes in the church right now are looking down, looking at their phones, checking the score of the football game, and the Seahawks are losing. So come on back. Pay attention. I think there's some things here this morning as we dive into this where we can learn and grow. I know that there are many people here today who are committed members of a local church, whether it's this church here or, or another church, and you're just visiting here in town this morning. If you're a visitor and you're not a member of any church, we're glad you're here. And, and if you are a member, I hope that the case for your life is a, a faithful membership to the church that you're part of, and that you would be edified and encouraged this morning as we study a number of these passages. This morning's message is really classified as a, as a topical Sermon. We're going to be jumping to a number of different passages, so I would encourage you to have your Bibles ready. As I said, if you're a visitor here this morning, I'm glad that you've come because you've picked one of the best Sundays to be here. 
because you're going to get a good glimpse of what we are as a church. You're, you're, you're going to find out who we are. You're going to get a taste of what, what it means to be part of Edgewood Bible Church. Normally, we're in the Gospel of John. We've been preaching through that at the beginning of last year. We're going to continue on, and we'll be back in that in two weeks. But this morning, I think it's vital that we talk through this idea of church membership. I'm guessing, too, that there might be a number of people here this morning who may not be committed at all to any membership of any local church. Maybe you've attended this church for quite some time, years even. And maybe the idea of membership is just completely foreign to you. It's lost in you. Or you're just checking out churches. You're new to the area or you, or you had an issue where you need to find a new church. And so you're looking for the right church. I understand. And this message is for you. Whether you stay here or go elsewhere. This message is not single focus just for Edgewood Bible Church. No, this message is for the local church. Whether you stay here and commit to being a part of this family or you find another church, that's where our desire is. Commitment to a local church. You may be wondering, then, what is church membership all about? And I want to encourage you today, based upon God's word, to see the importance of being a member of a local church. And I want to answer some of the questions that have rolled around for years about this, maybe questions you have. So I pray that as you bring your questions and your doubts about this, to maybe reaffirm what you already know. But we're going to walk through three questions in particular. First, why be a member of a local church? Why be a member of a local church? Second, and the first one we're going to spend the majority of the time, just to warn you there. Uh, secondly, what happens when I am a member of a local church? And third, how to be a member of a local church? And, and I've been praying uh, this week, I'm praying this morning that this sermon will be a help and encouragement to you as we desire to live in obedience to what God's word says. There's a number of books I want just to highlight briefly this morning. I do this uh, when I have these messages. And the first one is by Jonathan Lehman called The Church and the Surprising Offense of God's Love. It's reintroducing the doctrines of church membership and discipline. And you have to be committed to this one because it's a, it's a beefy book. <clears throat> he also wrote a condensed version of it called Church Membership. Uh, it's the same author, Jonathan Lehman. And this one you can literally sit down in an hour and read through and it's a, a good resource. Um, by the same publishers uh, is What is a Healthy Church Member? We have given this out to our new members for years now. And this is a good just tool to kind of explain what does it look like to be a member of a local church. And it's written by Thabiti Anabiwile, and he's a member of a church in D.C. and has a fantastic ministry. And then the last one that covers a lot of what we talked about is Nine Marks of a Healthy Church by Mark Dever, and I referenced this a few times here this morning. So if you have any questions, if you're looking at these books, you want to study more, please come see me. I'll get the titles to you, and I pray there'll be a resource and a help to you. But before we dive in here, what I want to share, why don't we go to the Lord in prayer? Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for the opportunity we have to come and to worship you. And we ask that you would give clarity and, and understanding. I pray that you would allow me to speak clearly and, and in a way that people can understand. And as we look at a number of different texts in your, in your Bible and your scriptures, God, give us um, a complete understanding, an ability to apply it to our life. Father, uh, we're convinced as a church that church membership is, is important to the life of a believer. And I pray that I can convey that clearly this morning. And I do it all for your honor and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. So the first question I have is, why be a member of a local church? I've never been fond of the term dating in regards to relationships. I, I've, I, and part of it is I've never really understood what that means, dating, you know? 
Isn't that a, a term measuring, measuring the length of time? You know, it seems to mean something else. You know, in our culture, it sometimes means dating is the time in which you're looking for that significant other um, to see if they're marriage material. I don't know if that's an accurate term in our culture anymore. In the church, you hear the term courting or courtship. Again, I'm kind of lost there. I don't really understand the term and how that connects. Um, but courting, that has nothing to do with this message. Dating, though, I, I believe does. Uh, because there are those, and I'm sure maybe here this morning, that are dating the church. They're looking things over, but not really committing. Uh, we live in a consumer-driven society. We're, we're looking at people as a whole for the best product, for the best price on Sunday morning, and, and uh, I don't want to get too involved, I don't want to get too committed, so I'll just kind of float in and float out. Going from one church to the next, never really settling down anywhere. Or sometimes people just kind of come when they, the mood strikes and then they come back later when it strikes again. I believe there are a number of reasons that people date churches. One is because as society, we are independent. We are self-reliant, self-sufficient people. And so the thought of mutual submission and accountability and dependence on others seems foreign. It's lost on us, maybe even frightening to some. Some probably think that the church membership isn't really a big deal. It's just a formality, they might say. It's maybe even a legalistic formality, something the church has always done and will always continue to do. It's just going through the motions. I also believe people date the church because they are immature in their faith. In some cases, people feel they've moved past the ancient process of church membership and are more modern in their approach to the church. And they might say, I love Christ and I'm growing my relationship with, with Jesus and I can't get bogged down with the church. Or I've heard people say this, I love the church, or excuse me, let me back that up. I love Christ, I just can't stand the church. Have you ever heard that before? I love, I love Jesus Christ, I love God, I just can't stand the church. I'm not gonna ask if you've ever said that before, but I'll just say, please don't say that. Do you recognize and understand that the church is the bride of Christ? You know, it'd be like you coming up to me saying, Jeff, I really love you, I just can't stand your wife, which is not gonna ever happen, I'm sure. It would be that offensive. I, I, I like you, but I just can't stand your wife. That's what we say when we, when we respond that way to the church. The church is also the body of Christ. So men, how would you like it if your wife came up to you and said, dear, I love you, but I haven't really told you before, I can't stand your body. Not a good thing. Don't do that, please. It's immaturity. It's, it's, it results in people wanting to just date, to float. They, they don't want to be tied down. I believe there's a much better plan for us than just casually attending when the mood strikes. Another way that some people date the church is because of indecisiveness. They can't decide on which one they like. It's kind of like going to the grocery store. I remember I've said this before, coming back from Sweden, and in Sweden, grocery stores were, were semi-big. You know, they had choices, but I remember again coming back and, and walking down the breakfast cereal aisle and just being flabbergasted. I couldn't, I, I only been gone a year, but I thought, do we need a hundred and different choices? And you kind of stand there and you, you just don't know what to do. You're in, unless you don't, unless you don't know, you know? And I feel that same way for us as Christians. There's, there is actually a number of choices. So I, where do I choose? How do I choose? And oftentimes we begin to attend one church and start to get settled down and think this might be the one, then something happens. And really it's usually our preferences flare up, you know? 
You know what I mean? They sing a song and you don't like that song or the style of that song and so now you're uneasy. Or, or frankly, I've heard this before, you don't like the way the pastor dresses or his beard's too long or something. I've heard that before too. Preferences. And I mean, again, well, I don't know if that's the church for me now. I, I don't know. I, I, you know. I need to look. I need to look again. And I want to say there's differences between preferences and doctrine. And where I would say to encourage you, Lean heavily on the doctrines. Don't, don't attend a church. Don't join a church that doesn't believe that Jesus Christ is God. Run from that church. Run from churches that don't believe the scriptures are sufficient. That's where you stand. That's where you land. You, maybe there's people who are looking for a problem-free church. Folks, you won't find a problem-free church. You're looking for a sinless elder board. There isn't one. You're looking for a perfect pastor. You won't find one. We all have issues, but by the grace of God, we're looking to grow through our issues, confessing our sins, walking closer to God. That's the intent. Another way that people date the church is because of a lack of knowledge in regards to the importance of the local church. They just don't, they've never heard it before. There are never people that have never really heard a message on church membership. Maybe that's you this morning. You know, I believe the church has contributed to that issue by not talking about it, not, not sharing the importance from God's word. In church history, there have been times where the church has placed a huge importance on church membership for the wrong reasons. You know, the contemporary church growth teachers would tell me that the last thing that I need to spend 45 minutes on on a Sunday morning is a sermon in the form of church membership. Don't do that, they say. In fact, they would say, make joining a church the easiest thing to do. That's how you grow a church numerically. And I would say the exact opposite. First, I'm not interested solely in growing numerically. That doesn't keep me up awake. That doesn't charge my day. Growing numerically is an outgrowth of something I'm really interested in, and that's growing spiritually. That's what I want for our church. Second, we don't make church membership easy because we're not Costco. There's a difference between our church and Costco. What do you need to join Costco? A valid ID and the membership fee, right? Right? Do they sit down and ask about your testimony and know Jesus Christ? Do they care? What do they care about? Are you gonna pay? You know, that's the, that's the purpose. And there's nothing wrong or sinful in that way. That's the purpose of Costco. We're not Costco. We're not Costco. We, we sit down because we wanna hear the story of the individual that wants to join and be a member because we, we glory in that. We're joining with someone that is also a believer. That's our motive. That's our point. So I want to raise the value of what a church member is. And then through the understanding, you will see the great and grand implications of joining a local church for the glory of God. So why be a member of the local church? Well, I believe because God's word says it's important. And I want to bring this to you this morning. And and the biggest reason for it is I believe God's word instructs us that membership is important. And you need to be a careful listener here this morning, okay? You need to be careful and listen to what I'm saying. Uh, You need to write down the passages that I mentioned, the points that I make. Because membership in the local church is not biblically commanded. Okay? You heard me correctly. Membership is not biblically commanded. I don't want to mislead anyone here this morning. I don't want to try to pull a fast one on you. You cannot find one passage in the scripture where it says membership or church membership. You can't find it. You don't see a command even listed. And so for many of you, that seals the deal. I'm going to maybe check out mentally here or, or just not even looking any farther. Well, I think there's more to be seen and I want to lead you on that this morning. 
You won't find one passage in scripture that mentions the Trinity either. Does that stop you from believing in it? We see plenty in scripture that talks about God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. The membership in a local church is not biblically, biblically commanded, but I believe from scripture that it's biblically implied. And I want you to be the judge as we walk through this. So do you have your Bibles ready with you? You're still awake and I still have your attention? I'm trying. Uh, whether digitally or in front of you, you know, have your Bibles ready. Do you have your notes ready? Because we're gonna fly through here in the next few minutes. Um, and the first one, I don't, I don't, you can turn there if you do like, but I wanna just highlight it is 1 Corinthians 12. And you can see that the word membership is implied by Paul when writing to the church in Corinth about how the, the members are part of the body of Christ. And as Christians, we're part of the body of Christ. We're members of the body. And so we derive the term membership from 1 Corinthians 12 and his description of body life for the church. You should be familiar, maybe you've heard this passage, you know, there's an arm and an eye, a foot, a mouth, and that's the body, okay? That's what he's referencing here as the body of Christ. So that's where we get the idea of membership. And so you maybe look at that and think, yeah, I'm a member of the body. I'm a member of the, the universal body of Christ, of which I would agree. Yes, you are. You are a member of the body of Christ, but there's yet more. That's not all the, that's not all the scriptures teach about this body. So the New Testament uses the word for the church is ecclesia. It means gathering. And when that word is used, the majority of their uses are when it's talking about a special gathering or a smaller gathering, the majority. And when you say that you're going to church, you should actually be saying, I'm going where the church gathers. That's biblically informed there. I'm not gonna correct you if you say I'm going to church. I understand what you mean normally. You know, that's the culture in which we say, but just so you know, that's biblically informed what it means. I'm going to the where the church gathers. When the service ends and you all leave to head home and eat your lunch, the church leaves. That's what scripture is saying. The church leaves to go home. The church comes back to gather each week. It's people when we talk about the church, not the building. It's, it's people. So it's, it's not only universal, it's, it's local and there are many references in scripture to both, universal church and local church. I wanna look at a few of the universal church mentions. So you have your Bibles, turn to Ephesians chapter one. Ephesians chapter one, and I'm gonna show you a few references here. There are actually nine different times in this book that we see church mentioned referring to the church universal. You guys understand what I mean? Church universal, it's all time. Those that are all Christians from all time, since the beginning to where we're at, all time, church universal. So Paul writing to the Ephesians in chapter one, verse 22, and he says, and he put all things under his feet, talking about Christ, and he gave him, Christ, as head over all things to the church. Same, same Greek word there, but meaning universal body of Christ, the church. And then if you can continue in Ephesians chapter three, verses nine and 10, another good one here, reemphasizing again, it says God who created all things so that through the church, universal, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in heavenly places. And you come to the end of that chapter and Ephesians 3, verse 20, listen, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever, amen. 
He's not talking about just one singular church there, but, but the universal church, all. The church will continue. The church will continue to grow until Jesus returns for all the generations, forever and ever, all that are part of the church. So you have the universal church. And, and in the New Testament, there's 114 mentions of this word, church, ecclesia, but 90 of the 114, 90 of them refer to the local church, a church, like our church. I wanna show you a few of those. So back up here to Acts chapter 11. And I'm trying to be speedy here this morning because I went overtime in the first service. So I got, what, 52 minutes before everyone leaves? Is that what time the game starts? I know what time the game starts. Acts uh, chapter 11, verse 22, and then we're gonna go to Romans after that, and then Galatians and Colossians and 1 Thessalonians, and they're gonna be brief there, so you have to keep up with me. But Acts 11, 22, and I wanna see the progression here as we start here and go throughout in the New Testament. But Acts 11, 22, and it says, the report of this came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. And in this passage, this verse right here, it's not talking about the universal church. No, it's talking about a specific local church in Jerusalem with a real human named Barnabas. It's talking about the church gathered together for ministry in Jerusalem. I'm gonna keep going here. Turn over one book to Romans, Romans chapter 16. And I wanna look at verse three as Paul is finishing up this letter. Eric will get there in a couple years in Sunday school. Acts, or Romans 16, verse three. And he's giving some greetings to those who have ministered on his behalf, on behalf of the church. And he writes in verse three, greet Priscilla and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus, who risk their necks for my life, to whom not only I give thanks, but all the churches of the Gentiles give thanks as well. Not just one church, not the universal churches, but multiple churches of the Gentiles. Multiple churches. And then look at verse five. He says, and greet also the church in their house. You know, it's, it's most definitely talking about one. The, it can't talk about the universal church because the universal church can't fit in a house. Maybe God's house in heaven, but it won't fit here. There's not a house big enough. So it's talking about one singular church. It's a local church. And Paul mentions the greeting to those that meet at the, the owner of the house, Priscilla and Aquila. It's their house. Thanks for hosting and then Galatians chapter one, turn over to that book. Chapter one, verses one and two, Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through men, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead and all the brothers who are with me to the churches of Galatia. Multiple churches in one town. Paul is referencing here and then turn to Galatians, or excuse me, to Colossians chapter four, verse 15. And give my greetings to the brothers of Laodicea and the Nymphia and the church in her house. One church. And again in 1 Thessalonians 1, 1 and 2, greeting Paul and Silvanus and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians and God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace. And I could go on and on and on because there's 90, 90 references to see that the church is more than just a, a universal church. It's very local. It's very singular. It's very 
small even of the gathering. The local church is an expression of the universal church. We, we right here in Edgewood are an expression, a picture of the universal church. If someone comes in that doesn't know God, doesn't know the church, doesn't understand it all, they get to see it right here as a family. This church right here gathers together with its joys and with its flaws. And it's a privilege to be part of a local church. I want you to see that this morning. I want you to hear that this morning. And if anyone's seated here this morning and saying, I'm just part of the universal body of Christ. I don't need to commit myself to the local body of Christ. Then, then you're living your Christianity completely contrary to the design that God gave to us in the New Testament. You're, ex- you're ignoring the New Testament pattern. And you can read again, time and again in the New Testament, those belonging to a church, a singular church. I believe you see the pattern of people identifying with, the, with Christ and his people being a part of the church. Not just casually, not just attending, but committed. They're committed to a church. One in particular passage that sticks out to me is Acts 2. And I'll just kind of update you here as they keep things moving. But Acts 2, as the church is being formed and the people are gathering to hear and they're, they're there for Pentecost and, and Peter gets up to preach in Acts 2 and Peter preaches. You remember again, Jesus has, has died and, and rose again and is now ascended and, and Peter's proclaiming the gospel to all those that are listening and he's preaching. And so much so, the Spirit does his work and the challenge that he makes sinks deep within the heart of people. In fact, the writer says that it, they, people were cut to the heart, meaning they, they were convicted to respond to Peter's message. And they ask Peter, what should we do? Now that we've been challenged to follow Jesus, and Peter replies, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And he's asking people to identify with Jesus through baptism. And so doing, they're identifying with those that are already saved. He's wanting to mark off, maybe identifying, this is who they are, who they say they are. Their allegiance to Jesus Christ and the, and the crowd is huge in their response. And Acts says, those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. 3,000 were added to their number that day. James and Andrew and Lydia and Alphaeus and Procurus and Jimmy and Scooter and Alice and Bob and John. And the list goes on. They were added to the number. The church is counting heads and recording they know who they are. They know who's publicly committed themselves to not only follow Jesus Christ, be a part of this church. Why do they want to do it? Did they do it just to have a book? Was there one person sitting there going, I got to have a book. I got to have the book. I, I need to update the website. That 3,000 came. That wasn't the point. That wasn't the motive. Is that the church knows who's a part of them. It had everything to do with location and commitment for them. This was life-changing for them, leaving the old Jewish ways to follow Jesus Christ. Is it life-changing for us? Or we're saved and we understand that, we, we see our allegiance to Jesus Christ in obedience, we, we get baptized to proclaim that to people and then joining with the believers that we're in our location with. So I asked this morning, are you a Christian? Because if you're not, this is lost on you. The whole idea of church membership is lost on you because 
You haven't understood the first point, understanding Christ and your need to be saved. And if you are a Christian, are you a member of a church gathering? If you answer yes, yeah, I'm a Christian, I'm a member of the Fifth Baptist Church in Paducah, Kentucky, and I haven't lived in Kentucky in 20 years. Well, I would say you're not a member. Your name might be on the rolls, but you're not a member. And we're not talking about keeping the, the list and just to have a list. We're not, I'm not interested just having a list. The whole point of membership is that we're part of the church. If you've not been there in 20 years, you don't know who the people, people are. You don't know what the pastor preached last Sunday. All you know is where you're at right now and you're involved in. And membership means so much more than having your name on a list. It means you're accountable, that you're connected, that you're praying, that you're part of this body of believers. Location and dedication matter. Now, accountability, I know, makes people nervous. Unless um, we're talking about someone else that we want to hold them accountable. That doesn't make us as nervous. But when it's about ourselves, we get nervous. But accountability, what is he saying there? And next week, we're going to look at another mark of what a healthy church is, and that's the biblical understanding of church discipline. This is necessary for us to understand. We need to see it in Scripture. And I know in the midst of discipline and the discussion of discipline, we get this, we begin to squirm. Whenever we hear the word discipline, it makes us uneasy. I mean, does anyone really hear, look, look at me in the midst of discipline and think with a cherry disposition, I can't wait. I can't wait for discipline. None of us do. None of us look for that. But God spends time in his word because it's for the person's good and for the glory of God. And we're gonna look at that next week. This morning, accountability. That's part of church membership. It's called submission in the next text I wanna take you. So turn to Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13. And I'll tell you, in my formation and growth as an elder and as a pastor, this passage really cemented for me what and how church membership works. You know, there's an interesting command that's given to us in Hebrews 13, given to all Christians. Hebrews 13, verse 17. And I want you to think in light of what we've been talking about so far in church membership as I read this. Hebrews 13, verse 17. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. So I admit at the very beginning, at the onset, that this passage makes me uncomfortable at the beginning. To read this, to preach on this as a pastor, as an elder, to say, obey your leaders and submit to them, it makes me uncomfortable. Because there's definitely the temptation, there has been maybe that you've known that leaders would use and abuse this verse. To lord it over people. You know, if a pastor has this verse on a placard in their office, run. Okay? That's not the point. The next sentence is the point where we land there. He's trying to, he's trying to communicate something to the people. In the, in the program of God's church, he says this about leaders. They are keeping watch over your souls as those who will give an account. It's one of the most humbling verses in the entire New Testament for me as a pastor. A realization week in and week out when I stand before you that I will give an account 
for someone. I will stand before King Jesus and give an account for the spiritual lives that have been placed under me. But two questions come to my mind when I read this verse. First, if there is no biblical requirement for me to belong to a single local church and to submit to it, then which leader should an individual Christian obey and submit to based upon this verse? Secondly, and more personally for me, who will I as a pastor give an account for? Those questions need to be answered in that verse. I mean, think about it. Think about it for you. If you believe that I don't have to join a local church as a Christian, in fact, I'm part of the local, I'm the universal church, so I don't need to submit and, 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 and be under anyone whatsoever, I'm over myself, then how do you answer this question in Hebrews 13, 17? Does it mean that you must submit to every pastor or elder that you come in contact with? So you're at the local coffee shop and you see Pastor Joe Walker, pastor of the Seventh Baptist Church of Federal Way, and you recognize him, you know he's a pastor. Are you at this point now commanded in this verse to submit to him? Or about other pastors, other elders? Do you submit as a a Christian under the elders and the pastors of Westboro Baptist Church in Kansas? Do you know that church? The loonies that, that go out and they picket everything. I mean, their website says godhatesfags.com. They're a church. They're sinful. Do you submit unto them? My answer, no, unless you're a member there. That's the answer here in Hebrews 13, 17. And secondly, do I as a pastor give an account before God for every Christian on planet earth? If so, I'm in trouble because I don't know them all. Do I give an account for every Christian in Edgewood, Washington? What about every other church in the area? Do I give an account for what churches teach and preach? No, I can't. It's not possible. But I will give an account for every person in this body. And if that's the case, then this body must be identified some way. So really, when we say join a church, biblically speaking, we're saying submit to a church. And this this what makes us uncomfortable, right? If you're honest, if you haven't heard about this, this is new, this is what makes you uncomfortable. I wanna shy away from church membership for this. Now I read a quote from Lehman's book on church membership when he talks about submission. He says, truth be told, people are not afraid to submit. They just want to submit to beauty like the valiant hero who submits himself to rescuing the damsel in distress. What's unexpected about Christianity is that its hero doesn't risk all for the damsel, but for what the Bible likens to a harlot. Then he calls everyone that he saves to submit themselves to the same harlot, the bride, still being made ready, the church. We struggle with submission because we see, we see humans when frailties. And don't for a second believe that as elders, as pastors, we don't submit to anyone. We do. My job as your pastor is to submit under the elder board that has been placed here. These men care for me. They pray for me. They seek the very best for me. They hold me accountable to teach what God's word says. And they will if needed, 
come alongside me and give correction if I need to repent. They hold me accountable. They're held accountable and submit one to another as a board and even as a church. You know, it's not easy to hear that I might be thinking wrong or that I've sinned. I don't know anyone that enjoys that. But in God's program, we need this for my growth and for the glory of God. And so you have a decision this morning. You can continue to indulge in your individualism. no No one can say anything to me. It's just me. I encourage you to go with what scripture has is planned out in the pattern. As your pastor is standing before you today, I want you to say that you're going with the church. You're going with what scripture says, even though it makes you uncomfortable. I, I recognize fully that these passages can be abused. And maybe you're in their background is, has been abused by a, a pastor or an elder. They abuse their power. They have hurt you in some way. And I implore you to to spend time in God's word through these passages, to ask questions, to come talk to us and walk through what God has been teaching you these years. Because there comes much joy to a Christian when they function in the role that God has designed. So where is the local body where you have said, I'm going to submit to the leadership of this church. I'm going to, to be shepherded by them. I recognize that God has placed them there for my good and for the glory of God. If you're a believer in this room and you're not a member of a local church, then you're living contrary to the design that God has given us in his word. There really isn't any exception given to us. There's no no out clause in the New Testament. You know, I had a question once and I'm gonna share, you know, but my child is now out of the house and in college. What should they do? Is there a free pass for that? You know, if they're a member here, they're part of it, they get a free pass for school, right? No. No, but it's appropriate for them as an adult at this point to find a local church, one that they agree with doctrinally and then become a member. And I realize it's only for a period of year. You may think, well, it's only eight months or however long the school year is, and they're just there, then they're back. I understand that, but Hebrews 13, 17 is still applicable. When I was in Bible college, I joined the church that I attended. I, my home was in, in Michigan, and I would drive 500 miles to school in West Virginia, and I was there for eight months of the year, and I would serve in a local church, and I was a member of that local church. They called it a dual status, actually, which is just a word. The point is that, that, that I was submitting myself in the church, and that, that church in my home church had communication about this. So I was at school. I was submitted to another church there because that's locally where I was at. And I needed that protection of the leadership over my life. And when I was home for the summer, it was at my home church. And the point again is who am I submitting my life under for direction and leadership, for shepherding? And you might be here this morning and new to your faith and you might be saying, I'm not ready to commit my life to a local church. That is all the more reason to commit your life to a local church because you're new in the process of your faith and you need help, you need encouragement, you need prayers, you need teaching, you need discipleship. These are some of the things, just a few of them, that we do as a church family, how we serve one another. And so this leads me to a second point, and, and, and I think this is very important for us in the, in the how and, and what happens when you're a member. So the second question is, what happens when I'm a member of a local church? It's a common question that people have when they talk about church membership. And here's a church, we do have a process that's it's, it's not mandated from Scripture. It's what we see as, as helpful for our church body. 
We develop a church membership packet. And I'm gonna talk about it in a few minutes. One of our elders, Pat Thatcher, Pat, raise your hand. He's gonna be in the back afterwards because if you want more information, he's gonna have lots of these to give to you if you're interested. Um, but the point of the packet is to really give information about our church, who we are. It's a doctrinal statement in there. What we believe, what we teach, a philosophy of church ministry, who our pastors are, who are our elders, who are our leaders, or our deacons. And in that is, is one document in particular. It's our church covenant. And this is where I wanna camp for a few moments. Why include a church covenant? Well, a covenant, as defined by the encyclopedia, is an agreement or a mutual obligation contracted deliberately. What makes a bunch of individuals into a church family is a common agreement on why we're here and what we're to do. A covenant is a promise, a promise made to God, to a local church, and to yourself. And that's what we've decided as a church and want to walk through as we, as we uh, spend our time here. And I think the guys have it on the screen behind me, but the covenant's gonna be listed back there. You guys all set back there? We're gonna read through it here. First one, having as we trust been brought by divine grace to repent and to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and to give up ourselves to him and having been baptized upon our profession of faith in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit, we do now, relying on his gracious aid, solemnly and joyfully renew our covenant with each other. And what we're seeing is that membership of Edgewood Bible Church is that of saved individuals who are committed on following the Lord Jesus Christ. They have been baptized in obedience to what God's word has and continue to live their Christian life in reliance of the Holy Spirit. The second point there, we will work and pray for the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. And as a church member, we'll always seek to live at peace with all men, especially those that we have coveted together as members. The third one there, we will walk together in brotherly love as become the members of a Christian church exercise an affectionate care and watchfulness over each other and faithfully admonish and entreat one another as occasion may require. As a member, as part of the family here, we seek to love each other as brothers and sisters in the Lord. We care for one another. We, we watch out for one another. We encourage one another. We admonish and teach one another when it's needed. And the next point, we will not forsake the assembling of ourselves together nor neglect to pray for ourselves and others. As a member of the church, we're, we're, we're saying we're committing to come, to be a part of this church, to faithfully attend. And we believe as a leadership team that church members should also seek to be involved and connected into a care group, that they can be part of the fellowship in a smaller even uh, aspect. And, and I, I could spend moments here bringing up people that are involved in care groups to give testimony of the benefit it's brought into their life of spending just an hour or two a week with other believers of this church and praying for one another and discussing God's word together as we walk in our, uh, our relationship with Jesus Christ. And as a member, we're committing to pray with one another. You know, I'm suggesting if you spend your time in God's word, that you also have next to it is the church directory and pray for one another. You may not know them. You, may, you, know the, you see the name, but you've not met them. Pray for them. Commit to do that. The next one, we will endeavor to bring up such as may at any time be under our care in the nurture and admonition of the Lord and by a pure and loving example to seek the salvation of our family and friends. And as a member, what we're talking about here is, is if you have kids in your house, you have children in your homes, you seek to raise them and disciple them and train them to follow Jesus Christ. And as a church family, we do that together. We help. If you serve in Awana, and you're part of the church and you're serving, you're helping serve me because my kids go to Awana. 
So you're helping us as parents. Thank you, because that is a help. As you're training them in what God's word says and how to live that out, you're helping that. It says also we're praying for the salvation for our family and friends. It's part of our commitment. The next one, we'll rejoice at each other's happiness and endeavor with tenderness and sympathy to bear each other's burdens and sorrows. And folks, this is the one that usually people gravitate to because they see the incredible immediate benefit. Because as a member, we have the privilege of rejoicing with those who rejoice. And we have the duty to mourn with those who mourn. In the last two weeks, I had the opportunity to be a part of a wedding of of a son of our, someone that attends our church. And I had a chance to actually perform the wedding and rejoicing with them as they coveted together in their marriage relationship. It was a privilege. And then just last week, the Buzaks had a baby boy. We can rejoice with them that Ryan is no longer the only guy in his house. <laughs> Praise the Lord, Ryan. He's got a son, Christian Tate. You know, I mean, that's part of church membership. If we weren't membering together we probably wouldn't have that connection, but we do, and we can rejoice with them. You know, this last week, I had the, the difficulty, but yet privilege of a member to be with another family as they mourn the loss of someone they love, and to stand with them and to grieve with them. And it was a privilege to stand here as I was preaching that, that memorial service and to see people of our church that did not know the family at all, but were here to stand with them, to cry with them, to mourn as they lost someone they loved. Can I say one of, the, one of the most incredible benefits of being a member of a local church is that you won't suffer alone. And you're gonna suffer in this world. And when you join together with a family, you don't suffer alone. You have others that, that pick up with that and walk with you through that. Next one. We will seek by divine aid to live carefully in the world, denying ungodliness and worldly lust, and remembering that as we have been voluntarily buried by baptism and raised again from the symbolic grave, so there is on us a special obligation now to lead a new and holy life. And on, as a member, we have the support of other brothers and sisters as we walk with the Lord. We need help. You need help. We all need help as Christians to walk with God. You need each other to give encouragement, to give teaching, to give instruction in that. And as a church family, we're here to help one another. The next one, we will work together for the continuance of a faithful evangelical ministry in this church as we sustain its worship, ordinances, discipline, and doctrines. And as a member, I'm committing to be involved in evangelism. I'm committing to be a part of the worship and the ordinances and the church discipline, the doctrines of the church. You're, you're here. And even in the difficult times, you're all in. You're, you're, you're with us as part of membership and the benefits there. And the next one, we will contribute cheerfully and regularly to the support of the ministry, the expenses of the church, the relief of the poor, and the spread of the gospel through all the nations. As a member, we, we give back to the church because God has given us everything and we steward that money well. And we, we give as the Lord leads us and these funds help support the ministry. They help support it not only locally, but it helps support the missionaries that we send out. You know, we are not only members with Ryan and Stephanie Buzak, but we hold the rope financially for them as they go serve in Togo. They're counting on us to continue to give 
And it is a privilege for them. Their heartbeat is to serve the Lord. And I know they're so thankful, but that's a privilege for us. You know, that our ministry not only sits here in Edgewood, it sits in Togo. I mean, how cool is that? Are you guys still with me? I mean, is that cool or not? I mean, it's amazing to think about that. Stretching across the globe because we're with members that decide, hey, we're gonna leave here and go there and live the Christian life. And so without faithful and cheerful giving of our people, the ministry would, would struggle and suffer. And then the last one, well, not last, but almost last. We will, when we move from this place as soon as possible, unite with some other church where we, we can carry out the spirit of this covenant and the principles of God's word. And membership is most definitely about the local church we are at, but if God leads you to another place for work or something else, we're saying as a covenant, we're expecting you as a believer to go find a church doctrinally sound and covet with them. Join with them. Be a part of their church and support in the same way that you are here. We will rejoice with you leaving and mourn because you're part of our family, but that's what we're saying, expecting that when you move. And then the last part there, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all. Amen. And that's a benediction, really. You know, two final things I wanna talk about in regards to the church covenant. First, our church covenant should be a challenge, and second, our church covenant should be a comfort. Our church covenant is a challenge simply because there are times when living a godly life is hard. And it's also a challenge because each member of the church is now bearing the responsibility for the other lives of other believers that we've coveted with. It's accountability that goes both ways. It's submitting one to another. And it's a serious responsibility, not the kind of responsibility you have just because you're somebody's friend, but the kind of responsibility that, that comes from saying, before God, I am coveting to care for you, to love you, to pray for you, and I will encourage you in your walk with the Lord. And this, this challenge is a serious thing. The second thing the covenant brings, though, is, is really a comfort. Our church covenant is, is there to comfort us, a comfort to know that you will be cared for, that you will be prayed for, not perfectly, but faithfully. The comfort is that by joining a church and coveting with other believers, you now have Christians who are going to build you up when you're down. You have Christians who are committed before God to walk with you, to pray with you, to serve you, to serve alongside you. You have Christians who are so concerned about your spiritual walk that if they see you walking away from the Lord, they're going after you to draw you back because that's where we need to be, following Jesus, not the world, Jesus. And as disciples of Christ, as a, as a membership and part of a church, we're gonna, we're gonna go after them in a loving, caring way. This is our our desire, our vision, our ideal, what we strive for. And this is a family. A church is a family. This is why I, when I see men in particular, I'll see them at church and I'll, and I'll reference them as brothers. It's not just a word. To me, it's family. You're, you're, you're in my family. And in 25 years of being a member of a local church, I can tell you that being a member has brought much growth and comfort to my soul because it's a family. You know, Katie and I teach our kids that this body of believers is our family. Their grandparents live 2,000 plus miles away. 
And by the grace of God and thankful to God, they're believers too, but they don't see them very often. But here in this place, my kids have grandpas and grandmas, a bunch, and aunts and uncles that love them, that care for them, that look at them as family. Well, we need that. You know, it's a huge benefit for us. And there's other here that are in the same situation. And we tell our kids that, that this family is important because this is the family that you will spend eternity with. You will spend eternity with this family. You know, they ha we have family back in Michigan and Indiana that are believers that we will spend eternity with. We have also blood relatives that do not know Jesus Christ, that spurn the name of Jesus Christ, that decide they're not gonna follow Jesus Christ. And yet we still love them, but this family supersedes all families. This is the family of God. And members of this church have demonstrated their love for the Savior and with confidence in what Jesus promises, and they have coveted together to worship with us because we know we'll spend all of eternity together praising Jesus Christ. So my last one to sum up everything here is just the practical outworking of all that I've shared this morning how to be a member of a local church. It's really a summation of all of it, and I'll be quick here as we go through it. Um, as I talked about the membership packet, the first thing that we would ask for pr prospective members uh, following the Sunday and going forward is to listen to this message. So if you've stayed awake this morning, you can check that off. But we've developed this membership packet, and really it's just a number of pages that explains the process of membership. And once you have it, we encourage you to read it, to read through it. And... and and what we're asking then is not just to blindly say, yo, okay, that sounds great. No, we want you to interact with it. Meaning we want you to, to ask questions if you have it. And, and to really help in that process of asking questions to make it easier, we're scheduling once a quarter a Q&A lunch that we will have with pastors and elders, those that are able, that you can come and ask questions. You're not signing on that line, none of that stuff. You're, you're coming to talk about church and the membership and what we're asking. And we encourage you to ask as many questions as you possibly can. This is part of the process of getting to know us and us getting to know you. And so if, you want, if you're interested in that, you're not part of the church, maybe you're not quite sure of membership yet, you have more questions to ask, you can still come to that. And the next one we're gonna have is Sunday, September 25th, and it's gonna follow the second service. And it'll be a brief, just an hour meeting or longer if you have lots of questions, that's fine. And after your questions have been answered and the application there is filled out and really that's just asking some questions about you. We wanna to get to know you, who you are. We'll schedule a time and have a membership interview. And, and that interview is gonna happen with you and the elder board. And, and maybe you're scared about that. I don't want you to be scared about that because really the primary part of that is for us to get to know you again face to face and have a conversation. And really the primary question we're gonna ask in that membership interview is how did you come to know Jesus Christ? And I love those meetings. Uh, you know, elders sitting here, I mean, thinking through this stuff, you get to hear how someone was once lost and now found. I mean, seriously, it's, it's one of the best times because you're getting to understand what God did to bring them to himself. So we wanna hear that. We wanna hear how God saved you and what God's done in your life and what, what you desire to do in service to God. That's the, the point of that interview. And then from that, we, we make it known to the church. This, this person or couple is gonna be joining the church. They're gonna become members and coveting together. And if there's an issue that you have with them, we, we encourage you to go to them. And if you can't work it out, we wanna help you as an elder board. And then after a two-week period, we bring before the church new members that are joining the, the church as a part of the church family. 
And so this is an opportunity for us to rejoice again as, as we grow in that way as a church. So Pat Thatcher is gonna be there. And if you have any questions, you can see him. He has the packet of all the information there. And that really just the practicality of all that I've said. But if you have questions about even what I've said this morning, I encourage you to come to me. I'd love to set up a time or email to answer any questions. Uh, Folks, this isn't rocket science by any means. But I believe this is what God's word requires of us to be following the pattern that he set forth in the New Testament. And so I would encourage you to think deeply about this if you're not a member yet and join what we have here because our desire is to, again, not grow numerically, but to grow spiritually. And we would want to be an encouragement to you in that. So as we end our time, would you join me in prayer? Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for the opportunity that we've had to come together and to worship together. And we ask that you would uh, give understanding and clarity to those here. I pray for those that, are, that haven't um, joined, they're not members, they've not coveted with us. They may be attended for some time, um, but for whatever reason are, are not in that spot. And I ask that you would give them understanding and clarity. I pray that they would come and ask questions um, to seek understanding even further than what I've given this morning. I pray for those here this morning that, that don't know you at all, that have never committed their life to follow Jesus Christ, repented their sins and turned away from the former. I pray that you would convict them and give them understanding of their sin and repentance. I pray that we will help us as, as a church to minister to them. And Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you for the opportunity we have to worship. And go with us now as we leave this place. May you be honored and glorified in our lives. For we ask it all in Jesus' name, amen.